G'day and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our live weekly Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Rick Jones. Rick will be picking who he thinks has asked the best question of the night and they will win a bag of Enduro high-energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hey Rick, how's your day been? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> That's you, why. You Keep busy today, mate. Plenty to, plenty to do. Yeah, marking and marking a few calves. <laughs> and I've uh, got a few people about it at the moment as well, and they've cleared out for you, mate, so I appreciate you making some time and space yeah. for us. We've had to kick them away from the tea table because of the poor internet, unfortunately. I get that on the big jobs. Mate, do you, uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, um, where you're from, where you grew up and what you do? I was born in Broken Hill. I uh, started out lifting lambs and become a shearer, shearing contractor, kangaroo shooter, and always had dogs for goat mustering mostly, and put enough coin together to buy my first block in 2007, and I've been playing that game since then. Yeah, fantastic, mate. So you'd, uh, that's about it. That that's all right. So, um, where'd your passion for livestock and dogs come from then? Oh, my mother's family had property all my life, and um, my father was a shearer, and uh, he was always keen on dogs, and we always had working dogs, and uh, just gradually become part of my life. I used them. You know, through my early years, lifting lambs, penning up, and well, just seemed to have them. You know, I could see the benefit of them, and yeah, it snuck into the game. Ah, beautiful. And obviously, been been around a while there, and get around at a few different places. Have you noticed a way or a change in the way people handle stock? Oh, you know, you never when I first left school. Nobody taught you anything about shearing, working dogs, handling stock. Everything has uh, improved with all education. And, you know, if you want to you wanna listen and there's an opportunity to learn from everybody today. Definitely. Absolutely. Was there anyone you learn a bit off or a mentor as such? The um, bike called Greg Prince, that you would have heard plenty of stories and everybody praising the man. I, uh, Neil McDonald, my first school, Neil McDonald yeah. taught me how to put left and right on a dog, and I nearly wore their legs off going round and round in circles. <laughs> Teach them, us. I had the obedience and not much else. And, and Neil taught me how to put the steering on dogs and I spent a lot of time with Greg Prince after that, and Greg took things to another level. And um, yeah, Pip Hudson, early days. I've done one school with Pip, and uh, I've learned life. You learn more listening than talking, and that's uh, yeah. I you know I owe them all a bit. Yeah. And uh, do you remember your first dog, mate? 
the first decent dog I had was a dog that was actually, uh, well, I remember, my, it's not my first um, dog that I trialled or anything, but, um, yeah, first dog was an Elfinvale dog and I could catch pigs, retrieve ducks, find roost, do whatever I wanted with him and uh, we, we progressed along the way with a little bit more class. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and, you didn't. Um, you... No, you go. No, I'm just going to say he, uh, he pinned up a lot of sheep, but he didn't have a lot of talent other than uh, being my mate, really. <laughs> oh, well, you got to like him first, right? Oh, yeah, like he just went up. I'm only quoting that as uh, he was hopeless outside, but um, I, so was I at that time, so... Um, we got them all together. <laughs> and types of or style of dog, what are you looking for these days? Same dog probably as I always looked for. Like, you know, as I said, I was a shearing contractor, but I had plunge dips and crutching trailers and and I've always liked a dog that got around his stock, laid off his stock and give them an opportunity to sort of go somewhere. And I've never had big saw them up powerful yard dogs um although my job required uh, a bit of force at times i got by with what i believe was paddock dogs taken to the yards and um yeah and they're the, still the same dog i need today i i've got a lot of scrub country and and i uh i play with goats a lot and um they're a large part of my my income and uh, I've got country where the dog's got to introduce himself and be calm and uh, don't need force at all until push comes to shove, you know. But yard dogs don't cut yeah. it with me anymore. <laughs> and you find those particular type of dogs that you're looking for to do those jobs, you get along with well just in like their nature and temperament? Oh, look. I need a harder type of dog. I need a dog that I've got to stop, not start. I look for dogs that have calm strength, but they've got a head, hold and cover. And um, yeah, yeah. I, I like thinking dogs, but also dogs that can lift stock when they have to, but not until told. Beautiful. Um, and... What is your team at the moment? What have you got? What dog wise around you at the moment? Oh, I've got a lot of half trained ones. Um, <laughs> that happens I've, when you pour on time, right? Yeah. Uh, look, I tried to um, I tried to retrain retain a lot of um, what I originally started with, and um, I've managed to infuse some other lines and. I'm just hanging in there, really, but um, I'm doing my job. Yeah. Uh, tell us a bit about some of those dogs, mate. Have you got you got some older dogs in there as well? Yeah. I, well, again, I'll go back to Neil McDonald. We started with a with a double cross of a dog he had called Wobba Kill, and um, he he had the smarts. They they were great mustering dogs, gathering dogs, and. Um, and all right inside too. I, I had some fun with some of them. But um, I bred down 
and I had one particular dog that bred well for me and uh, I've managed to um, hang on to a bit of that and um, yep. I continually try something outside all the time as a sigh. You know. yep. yep. And which dog was that, mate? You said that you the dog you held on to? Oh, the line that I'm trying, that I've tried to, I had a dog called Silver City Asset, Rowdy, and a son of his, a little dog uh, called Harley that um, is in a few people's lines today that, um, yeah, that's, oh, you know, Greg Prince used to always say to me, line breeding if it works and inbreeding if it doesn't and half brothers yeah. and half sisters and so on well i've done just about everything that trying to um yeah retain what you had and I, i'm still i'm still hanging in there you're still hanging in there <laughs> hanging in there just, <laughs> just talking on that breeding there have you got a particular cross in that line breeding line that you like like i know a lot of people um, like that uncle niece kind of stuff well, like Greg used to talk, half brother, half sister, yep. and um, I have tried. I have tried most, most. Oh well, mother, like half son over at his auntie, and uh, like madness. Really, we've tried to every every conceivable um, combination. Combination, yeah, yeah, uh, but. Greg always spoke half, half brother, half sister, you know. And um, but I've done, I've tried father, daughter, and I've tried different things. And um, I have had dogs that couldn't produce themselves, yet their sons did, and um, they produced the father. And it, yeah, look, I've, I'm no guru with any of that. I've, you know, struggled at times trying to reproduce what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't, I don't know. I, I can't quote any particular combination that I, I uh, yeah, I'm not, just not very sure that any anyone is any better. I'm just loading up in the line sometimes works like, you know, you might have had a half-brother, half-sister and then that bitch will breed or the dog will breed on for you and it can be over outcross bitches. It's very random. Yeah. Or I am one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So are there any influential dogs to get you where you are today or in your what was genetics that? even? Any influential dogs or bitches? Um that have gotten you to where you are today, breeding or work-wise? Oh, look, I, I've had what I considered one good dog. I've had a few handy dogs, but the best dog I ever have owned is that Silver City Asset, Rowdy. Yep. Um, he's by far the best dog I've ever owned. And, and, and why is that, though? Yeah, what, what made him so special to you, mate? Because he headed like nothing else. He was as strong and calm. He had cover and he had presence. And uh, I made a lot of money mustering goats and and I had a bit of fun with him competition-wise too, you know. Yeah. But he put the fun vouchers in my pocket. 
<laughs> I like that. I do too, yeah. <laughs> I do that. And we'll touch on a bit of trolling later on. Um, so obviously if you had an old dog back, that would be him. Mate, why why Kelpies? Why Kelpies? Why Kelpies? Well, that's all right. Yeah. Well, that was what was about. We didn't have collies near us um, at the time. And... Um, Look, I've tried a lot of Kelpies, a lot of Collies, not Kelpies. Try a lot of Collies and I keep trying, but um, we just struggled. I don't think they like me. <laughs> it's all right. We can't all get on with our employer all the time, can we? No. <laughs> no, I do like them. I like the footwork. I like I like a lot about Collies. Um and there's a lot of good ones out there. I just haven't meshed yet. Yeah, and that's that's fair enough. Um, question here from John Pillow: What's your preference, a dog with nice work and a shit temperament, or a dog with a great temperament that's fairly plain? No, neither of them. I um, I'd struggle with either. Yeah. But um, temperament temperament's a big thing, and there's plenty of them out there that I wouldn't put up with either of them, unless you had to. Yeah, unless you were stuck in the corner. Oh, well, you'd go with the plain dog with a better temperament. You'd probably get through and get by, but, you know, temperament is a big thing. Um, and yeah, I don't, I won't tolerate. There's plenty of them. We've got plenty of time, hopefully, so we, um, <laughs> you know, get another one. Again, another one. And I, I can't imagine that, um, you know, doing the goat work you do, having a dog with um, a, a shitty temperament, um, if you ask it the couple of times, you, you could blow goats pretty quickly, right? You'd need, to, need it to be working with you. Yeah, it was the same in any job, isn't it? Like you want to troll that dog and he's got a bad temperament and he, he's worried about you, well, he's not going to listen. And uh, I, I'd certainly go answer the question properly i would go with the dog with the plane of work with temperament yeah yeah, mate what do you think makes a good sheep dog compared to a good cattle dog or they one in the same or are there unicorns out there that are good at both mate opinions are like them other things that we've all got one of (laughs) yeah and and uh, I don't work a lot of cattle with dogs. I know there's a lot of people that it's part of their job and they need to, but I picture myself at 100 kilos trying to grab a Land Cruiser running down the road that's rolling down the road and I go under the front wheel at 30 times heavier than me and I'm not, not going to go too well. I've seen more tail turning and more dogs hurt. Um, the dog that'll work billy goats generally will work cattle. I do work cattle just more so for other people to witness that the dogs will work cattle. Yeah. Um, I like them. Look, I don't want to. I don't want to rattle anyone's cages, but they're sheep dogs, as far as I'm concerned, and they're punching above their weight on on cattle. Then. 
I know, you know, break and wean is in and a lot of people use them and they settle stock down and all the rest of it. That's that's great. That's, people do that. I don't have a problem with it. I've seen most people have got 20, 30 dogs and their weaner breaking and people, it's part of their life. It's not part of mine, so I don't do it. But um, a quieter, calmer dog and, you know, dogs that'll hang behind the eye and not head as hard and allow stock to walk. Um, there's a place for them and, uh, and a lot of people need them, but I don't. And I don't, I just don't like watching dogs going under these 600 kilogram animals getting spat out the back, you know. Yeah. And the tail turning, the tail turning that I've seen if you want to trial dogs, um, it's a great way of putting that into them too. No, awesome. Um, There's an opinion that'll rattle. No, no, yeah, love it. no. That, that, that's honest. what this is all about, right? And um, I actually used that phrase you used today that opinions are like those the other things we all have. So, um, totally get where you're coming from, you know, and every, that's what Dog Talk's all about, right? To hear everyone's opinion. So, no, I appreciate you sharing out I, yours. I never thought of it like the Land Cruiser, like you said, running down after it. And um, yeah, you put it like that, and yeah. you've got, really got to look at it like that as well at times. Like, Total different opinion to think about. It's awesome. Well, that's um, right. Isn't it? And if people need to do, need to use them, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I'm, but I don't. I don't use them. Um, I show them just so that I know that they'll work them, and other people can see it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So you've mentioned a couple of times um, heading ability and paddock work. How important is that natural heading ability to you? Can you? Do what you want to do without it, or is it something that it's you know? Really like if they don't head, if they don't head, I can't pull anything up. And we yep. we deal in lot like large numbers of goats, and and goats have been worth a lot of money. I've got you know, twelve thousand sheep, and we I use the dogs on the sheep. Don't worry about that. Uh, and also on the young, you know, just bought three hundred young calves here, and. Uh, I've been playing with the dogs on those, but there's no, no risk of them getting hurt. And uh, and I I don't want to sound wrong. Um, the weaner breaking and the educate the young stock and blokes handling large numbers of cattle with, with individual dogs and team of dogs, uh, good on them. And I don't have a problem. I'm not knocking them. Don't, ever, don't think yeah. that. Just uh, my dogs have to head and... If they don't, well, they're not my dogs. It's yep. that simple. So yeah. off the back of that, mate, how important is natural cast to you? Or is that something that as long as it will head claim but won't cast, you can work with? Well, you picture, picture an open paddock and picture a scrubby paddock and there's all the arguments on casting. And if you're on a football oval, you want the, you want the dog to cast via the fence. And if I get a dog that casts via the fence with scrub, I might as well not have let him out of the box yeah. because he's not going to find, unless the wind's blowing in his face and he can smell the animals, I don't catch them. Yeah. And I like, a, I like a dog that goes as straight as hell and breaks pear-shaped cast if I could pick him. But a dog that heads I'll put up with whatever, whatever he's got. Yeah. Um, but I, I quote Greg Prince again. He used to tell me he um, 
he liked to teach a dog to cast in preference to a natural cast. Yeah. And I, I sort of thought about that at the time. I thought it'd be a hell of a lot easier with a natural casting dog. And I've not ever had um, great wide casting dogs. I've had dogs that search for stock um, and what I consider good paddock dogs, but they wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea in their casting ability. Yep. Um, yeah. Straight and boot like hell at the end and rate and treat their stock, but they've got to be able to see them and they've got to get around them the fastest way that they can get there for me. Yeah. Do you know the fastest way from point A to point B, mate? Tell me. A straight line. That's it. <laughs> what yeah. do you think? I was just going to say, what do you think was Greg's um, pro thought process behind teaching it versus a natural one? Did he ever discuss that with you? Oh, well, a dog that was naturally wide, um, that was pretty much the dog's cast. He would teach a dog to kick out on its run out, work wider off its, off its stop and... Um, yeah, he he liked to tell it to get out. Yeah, and um, you know that was just his his thoughts on on the job. But what happens here? The tighter they get, and the older they get, the wider they get. And it's you know if they start out wide, they get wider and wider, and you cry tears of blood waiting for them to get around the animal. Yeah. Pretty frustrating when you can see the animals there and your dogs, so they're going 200 metres that way, your dog's kicked out 400 metres that way, and you're like, is well, this going to happen today? Especially when they're heading towards the neighbour's fence. They've <laughs> got, got Billy Goats worth $400 and the dog's going via the next state. Um, horses for courses, you know, my, my needs are different to every to every other person and you select what you require, don't you? Definitely. Absolutely. And in that scenario, you're there watching the billy goats run away and you're going like this, oh, sorry, like that, and your neighbour's going like this on the other side, <laughs> <laughs> ready to cast these dogs around. They don't like They don't like seeing their dog on their side either. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, Do you want to get this one? Or yeah, one? we'll go this one first. Cool. Um, what is natural feel to you, or what is feel, I should say? Natural feel? Just, just feel in general. Oh, look, again, and I quote, hold and cover. And early days, a lot of my dogs, I'd, I'd go to a trial and people would um, tell me they clap too much, and you know, lay down, taking the pressure off a stock naturally. And, you know, I started to think that um, me dogs were, were lepers, you know, like something was wrong with them. And 10 years later, all I'm trying to do is stop them at the end of the cast and get what, like, find what I had again. And you were teaching, teaching dogs to lay off and good, good dogs, good dogs have got feel, you know, and... Like I said, I had 
clutching trailers and plunge dips and I had paddock dogs forcing up, you know, and they'd, they'd lay down at the back of the pen and put pressure on when they needed to put pressure on you. You didn't have to shut them down. And those, those dogs are there, plenty of people are breeding them. And um, just relieving pressure naturally. If, you know, if you can find that, you've got just about everything in the, in a nutshell, you know, a dog that will cast out head like hell and then rate stock, what I call rate stock, as in don't gallop them, you know, and put the pressure on when confronted. But um, rating is probably what I, when I say rate stock, I mean not force this, mm. not have them gallop. Read them for what they are and, and work accordingly. Well, you watch them, you know, a lot of what I've got, they, they run out and as they're getting closer and closer and they're about to influence the stock, they boot and they try to keep things as calm as they can. And when I say boot, I mean break out. And I hope that they'll think at the end of the cast, there's your feel. What I, you know, I want them to, to ease up, introduce themselves, but not bust anything. Until I ask them, if I want pressure put on, I want to ask for it. And do you think that feel can also be taught or it's something that they've either got or don't? I, um, I don't think you can teach it. Yeah. No, I yeah. don't. I, you can put a brake on a thug and, and you can try like hell to make a, um, a weak one strong. We one to come in, and my why I've said that is like if you talk about feel, well, the dog can get to the end of the cast, and the stronger dog that, that we want him to introduce himself and um, and then take the pressure off, or as we ask, you want him to force. Well, the the lighter dog we're going to struggle too, aren't we? At getting it, getting it to lift. Um, the, the the feel will we've got to move them and then we want to caress them and the weak dog will bomb them and the thug will do very similar and yeah. um, in my game like I'm, and I I'm quoting my needs mostly and do you reckon those dogs that have that, that, that you just described there, that dog that you like with that feel and that rating their stock, do you reckon they're more of an intelligent type of dog yourself? I do. I, I do because they're, they're wanting to hold things together, yeah. not not blow it up. They're, they've got that better herding, holding ability, yeah. natural ability. Yeah. Cool. Um, one more question here. Question here from Dustin Rowe. Um, what makes a good goat dog in your opinion? I think you touched on a lot of it there. Yeah. Though. Yeah. I just like a dog that goes out around his stock cleanly and heads hard. Got a head. Got a head. Got to get there. And naturally lays off them. Naturally pulls up. I need dogs with eye. Uh, and a dog that'll settle on his own and 
introduce himself and just hold the mob together without creating problems. It, um, if they can do that, then I can get to him or her mm -hmm. and we can move off, break them in naturally, just leave them alone, cover one that wants to break and then is strong enough to come in on command to move them. Yeah, Sounds like a, I wish I could have a few of those in my. And actually, off the back of that, do you like having a team of dogs similar like that, or do you like you know having a thug in the team there somewhere as well, like you can ramp in and out? I um, it, I'm a bugger because I do. I'd like twenty like my best one, um, <laughs> but it doesn't always happen, and you you got to put up with with variants and. Whatever, uh, whatever you need to to do to move them at times, you'll you'll put up with. But you certainly do need a bully, and if you've got three or four of them, then you get one that breaks, and they're all wanting to be deals. And um, yeah, you, you do need a couple of hammers, but you don't need a box full of them. Yeah, absolutely, and. Where are you finding these dogs? Are you breeding them yourself or are you buying them outside dogs? Where are you sort of finding them? I was always told if you didn't look outside your own backyard, you were going to run into trouble. And yep. um, I'm all, I haven't bought too many dogs in the last 10 years, but I've had dogs given to me out of my, my bitches that have gone to um, some of the favoured dogs that are running around now. And, um, yeah, I spent a lot of money on, on dogs over time, buying from everybody that was anybody. But uh, the bulk of what I've got now are out of my bitches that other people have got. Yeah. Do you want to go to that one, actually? Yeah, um, Simon... Bowden's asked, um, what has been your most successful outside sire? Yeah, I, um, I couldn't quote that over, over my time. You rattled me to come up with an answer quickly, but um, <laughs> there's, a dog, there's a dog that I've got a couple of male, males here, three, four-year-old, the moment that um, that Rafa of um, Dean Inches, Dean Incher, yeah, yeah, yep. Um, geez, he seems to be putting some on the track at the minute, but yep. I, I'm look, I'm not, um, I'm not familiar with with too many of the of the dogs at the moment. I I haven't been. Um, around the scenes to to really comment on on you know who who they're using. Um, yeah, it, had that question been given to me an hour ago, and I could have thought about it. I, yeah, that that's cool, mate. Are you breeding many pups for yourself? No, no, I keep missing them. I yeah, uh, never seem to be home when they're on season and. 
I, I probably only breed two litres a year. Yep. And what are you considering um, before joining your bitches? Consider what, Tara? What are, what, are you, what are you considering before joining dogs? Well, I've got to like them. And I must have liked them from to be here at that age, joining age. But um, yeah. I, I always struggled. Like when I was competing, I I don't know, I think I was too hard. And I um, I never have had you know, any more than one or two bitches that I could, you know, feed thinking I had a good one. And, yeah. uh, and I've never been a, a, a butt factory or... Um, I'm pretty critical and I've always struggled to to retain too many. I've, I get pups from, as I said, from joinings, my sire over somebody's bitch and I take one and that's sort of pretty much how I've, how I've rolled. Yeah. Mm. What do you think makes a good sire? Oh, well... Everything that I said earlier. Yeah. yeah. A dog that'll head and a dog that's got calm strength and and a dog that, you you know, you talk about feel, a dog that's naturally able to hold a mob. And actually, you just mentioned before that you normally have like one or two bitches around. Do you, know, do you get on with dogs better than bitches? Always did. Yeah, yeah I... I do like male dogs, and I just do believe they are a bit tougher when it comes to, I keep quoting my job, but when they're getting jumped on and hurt, which happens at times with with a goat, I've got bitches here, every bit as strong as any dog I've ever had, but I just like, I like um, the males, I do. Yeah. And so we hear it all the time. Someone thinks that um, a dog or a bitch has more influence over the litter. Do you have any thoughts on that? Only what I've been told, but I remember I remember Neil McDonald ages ago, you know, I'm talking 25 years ago, talking about... Um, the bitches, the same as in the dams with the racehorses. Um, and his words at the time, you, you need a very dominant sire to reproduce himself. And we were talking about that earlier with the breeding. And, and I, I, found, I found that um, the dogs that had a double cross of themselves virtually um, would reproduce. And I've got bitches here that... Uh, it doesn't seem to matter what dog I put over them, I get a dog worth feeding. And then you can have you can have the best bitch of a lot of them. And if she's not related to herself or line bred, uh, you seem to have the old shotgun effect where the pattern scatters everywhere and you don't seem to get any consistency within the litters. Again, we're touching on something that I really, um, I'm only voicing my opinion, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I, I think a line bred bitch 
um, is going to influence a mating far greater than any sire. But mm -hmm. in every mating, you seem to get dad. If you're lucky enough to pick him and dad's want to reproduce, but yeah. I can't tell. I can't I, tell who to pick at a young age. And, you know. and, and having, like, have had some, like, pretty handy dogs yourself, like, and we see um, a lot of, like, at the moment, a lot of AI with older dogs that have been dead for a while. Like, do you have a preference or do you have an opinion on using old dogs um, that have been gone for a while compared to finding the best at the moment? No, no, I don't, but I... I haven't had any success with the AI and at all. And um, uh, I know plenty of people have. When I say I haven't had much success, I mean on the strike rate with a number of pups and I've had all sorts of trouble. But uh, no, I, 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 don't, um, I don't think today's dogs are uh, any different. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I've paid a lot of money storing semen and never never had a win with it. Yeah, right. Really? Yeah. Mm. And you said there before you can't seem to pick a pup at that young age. Do you have any, like, no, little tricks secret, that you do? Or? Secret handshake or? Yeah. Uh, I only uh, I only pick on, on like and type and unless they're, you've kept them on. And um, and then you actually watch them work, and uh, that's the only way that I can select exactly what I like. Um, to pick them out of a litter, will no, only pick on type. Yeah, that question I, was I actually asked Dustin Rowe as well. So he, he asked about that pup, uh, picking a pup, mate. What advice would you give to someone wanting to purchase their first dog or a pup? Well, I think I only heard part of that, mate. But what tips do you give them? Did you tell? Ask me. Oh, what What advice would you give to someone that wanted to purchase a pup or or their first dog? Oh, well, go to the people that that are reputable and pick the one you like. But nothing. Pretty much it, isn't it? They're the same as most of us do. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you've had a look. As long as you have a look at mum and dad. If you like what you're looking at, you've got half a show. Yeah. Get someone else to pick it for you. No, they yeah. can blame them if it turns out rubbish. So what you do. <laughs> yeah, get my kids to pick it. And then I go, I just shouldn't have kept that one. I should have kept the other one. <laughs> um, What age do you go about starting your pups? Oh, I throw them in as soon as they're old enough to chase. I'll put the whole litter in and put them in my training yard and just keep introducing them until I see something. It, it might be eight, ten weeks of age at times if I've got lambs and, I, yeah, I don't, there's no set pattern with that, but pretty early generally. Yeah. And, and what's your training yard look, set up look like, mate? I've got a round yard off the edge of a 45. I've got like a tennis court and chain wire plastic um, tennis court. Chain wire is what it is, but uh, yep. 40, 45 metres by 30 metres with a round yard off the end of it. I've just got a small pen and a drench race within 
it's a big enough area to, you know, work, teach them to balance and um, put them on steering and teach them to back. But, um, just teaching the outside work, it's big enough for me. That, no, that's, that's all cool. right. Um, Tim Hall, um, um, Hall um, asked, um, asked um, do you want to read that out? Laura? Yeah, Tim asked, what's the thing that turns you off a young pup? At not wanting to work. Yep. Um, yeah, look, <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty broad question, I guess. It, um, if it... If it's not, it's not showing any desire, and it. Um, but there's lots of different. There's lots of different. Lots of different things that will turn me off a young pup, and it all comes back to what we said earlier. Like, if it's got no desire to get to the head or no desire to work, well, yeah. I quoted a couple of people earlier. And people earlier and earlier and. One used to say to me, if it's not working by such and such, you find a rabbit warren or you find someone you don't like and you give it to them. And it, I don't put any time frame on on the time that that I'll keep one for. But, yeah, look, if it's showing no interest, it's very hard to put up with, isn't it? Absolutely. What about attitude, mate? Could you put up with a dog that's... And pretty natural, pretty nice dog, but just got a shitty attitude. Well, that generally we talk about temperament and yep. um, yeah, I, I don't like dirty dogs. I don't like bite, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know about the attitude. I if they got desire. And they're, they've either got a, a good nature or a bad nature. Um, yeah, I'm probably the one with a bad attitude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how much time do you put into your training? Like is most of it done on the job or are you setting time aside to train? No, nah, I never take a dog. I never take a dog to a job if I haven't got control. I've got control. Control. I was always con called a control freak, and um, I can't, I can't take a dog to the job without having the levers on it. I do all my training in a training area, in an area, area, and once a dog has got a break, and and I can pull him up and call him off. I'll take him outside. I might throw him on a big mob before he's ready um, yep. with older dogs given him um, a bit more to think about, more to think about, but I about, but I, uh, I don't train on the job, no. Cool. Do you want to grab that question? Yeah, I was just going to say about your commands. Um, you've mentioned a couple of times how important that stop is for you. How do you go about putting that on? I, I do it in, I do it in, in a round yard generally with sheep on a lead. And um, yeah, when the dog's got his mind on on working, 
I I put the call and the stall and the stop on the stop on with cheap pretty much the same time. Yep. Yeah, I'd teach him yep. the cork to come off and then then the next one is to stop. But with sheep. Yep. Yep. But always, always on sheep, mate. When you're training. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do it like to to get them to come away. I pay. I teach them. I teach them in in a situation where they've got sheep, and um, yeah, they've got the distraction. They want to work, and. Um, They've got to come off, and you teach them to come away, and then the next, then the next, then the next, the next game is the to stop when told, and and again you can you can do it in the shed, you can do it away from stock, and as soon as their instinct kicks in, and you put animals in, you put animals in front of animals in front of them, you've got to do it again anyway. So you might as well do it there to start with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you mentioned earlier that uh, it was Neil McDonald that helped you put sides in the dog when you first were kicking off. Correct. Yep. How how'd you go about that? How'd you go about that, mate? How'd you go about that, mate? How what did he drill in there to uh, to get to get you going? Oh, he just showed me. Uh, he showed me how to get going with with the uh, body language to to direct the dog to direct the dog direct the dog. 360 degrees one way and the other, anti-clockwise, clockwise, and uh, how to go about it. And um, I'd never been shown. And once, once I start, once I started to show interest in the trialing, then I, um, I needed to be able to, I needed to be able to um, pull a dog off balance and so on. You know. Yep. And. Do you still use those principles? Do you use those principles, or do you use principles, or do you train it slightly different these days? No, same principles. Um, I've changed a few things, uh, dropped a few commands, and but same principle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was what was what's your, um, your line of thinking behind, like around dropping a few commands? Oh, uh, just. If you tell me two commands, I'll probably remember the second one. You tell me ten, yeah, and I'm struggling, yeah. and I'm struggling, and I'm struggling. Yeah. Uh, just shortens it up, shortens, yeah. shortens the training process up, and I just believe the dog absorbs it and picks it up quicker. Mm -hmm. I'm a massive believer in that myself. I, I try and use the kiss uh, principle: keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. Simple, stupid is my philosophy. Yeah. As less as possible. Yeah. Um, question here from Kylie Rees. At what age in a young dog's training can it be used as part of the team for pushing up, drafting, etc.? For example, for example, will an example will an eight-month-old dog performing well in the training yard but still learning sides regress if used for real work um, or full-on push-up work? Uh, I go back to what I said earlier. Um, um, I. I I don't take a, an un, 
trained or unfinished dog to a work situation. Now, farmers that only handle stock a couple of times a year, that's how they teach them, isn't it? But, yeah. but, yeah. but, yeah. Um, you know, the shortest way home is that training yard and a few quiet sheep and a bale of hay. If you want the best, you've got to sacrifice a bit of your time and, um, you know, you know, I, I just, and as a contractor with his crutching and trailers and dips, broken necks at the back of the pen, training pups, uh, I just didn't do it. I, yeah. 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 100%. What, what's the hay, what's the bale of hay for, mate? Feed the sheep. <laughs> Beautiful. Mate, off the back of that, um, Dustin Rose asked, um, "What are your main commands?" So I think when you said you're dropping it, when you said you're dropping it and you're keeping it, said you're dropping it and you're keeping it simple, and for the farmers out there as well, um, what what do you think is essential? What commands to, to take a dog to work? If I had if I had my time over again, um, left and right, that a lot of people use, a lot of people use, people use. Yep. Um, when just quoting, when I first started, I had more commands, you know, than, than I believe was required. I don't have many now. I have a whistle to come to me or the name, me or the name, the name, the call to come to me, a stop. And I have a one-word directional command anti-clockwise, 360 degrees, which... Anti-clockwise, I use back, back. Clock, yep. Clockwise, I use over. That's a Neil McDonald. Uh, he used to say to me, uh, the way to remember was you wind a clock back and the clock ticks over. I still remember it today, and yep. um, and that's um, and that's how I and that's how I do remember it, and it worked. Um, and I only use a single word command. 360 degrees in each direction. Um, as I said, the dog's name or a short whistle to come to me, whistle to come to me, come to me. I use another whistle to teach him to bark. But I, I believe I, I only have about five or six commands. I have a get out command if they're coming in too close as I'm uh, putting my steering on them or if they're all. If they're cast, if they're casting too tight, but I, I don't overload them. I don't think stop here, left, right, get out, get up, and yep. speak, and a short, short whistle to bark. You know. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm mhm. Mm Beautiful. It's about and, it. And you only like your bark on command. Yes. Yep. Only That'd be pretty important command. to you, wouldn't it? Uh, not, you know, dogs, dogs like on, like on cattle, well, you know what it's like on cows and calves, it's no good. And, and I, I do a lot of, um, mustering on water holes and so on where you sit, you wait for animals to come in and put the dog around them and dog around them and collect them and collect them after they've had a drink and there'll be more coming. So you don't want to tell them that you're there. So you don't yeah. want a dog barking. And um, 
you know, barking at the bums, which I was always taught also, you know, bite on the nose, bark, bite on the nose, bark at the bum, nose, bark at the bum. Yeah, 100%. And, and only when you were told. Beautiful. So you mentioned a bit earlier that you have done a bit of trialling, mate. Um, when when did you start trialling? Oh, I'm trying to think. Probably early 2000. Yeah, 99, 2000, something like that. Yeah. And what trialling did you jump into? What style of trialling? What style of trialling? Style of trialling. Oh, I've done a bit of yard dog trialling and then started, I've had a crack at the three sheeping and utility trialling, had to try it at all. Had a three or four cattle trials just to say I'd done it, but I'd done it, but, um, but um, liked it all. Yeah, absolutely. Do we want to bounce onto that one quickly or? Yeah, back to that bark. Um, questions just come through from uh, Brad Bottrell. Um, if you got a free barking dog, free barking dog, how do you get dog? How do you get to bark on command only? Difficult. <laughs> and I I'm not his man. Um I uh, yeah, and once we teach them to bark, they generally start to generally start to give it to you, start to give it to you every time you build up with excitement or yeah. they think you're asking for it. And um yeah, you know, I I have never been able to. Other than we tell them, try and tell them, we tell them, try and tell them to shut, try and tell them to shut up, but yeah. they don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm no guru, Brad, but if I've got a dog that's barking in the kennel, I'll try and put a command on that bark in the kennel so that way I can give him a silent command as well. And I find that works for me sometimes. But like Rick said there, but like Rick said there, Rick said there. When you get a bit of excitement and they already know how to bark, sometimes they find that's on switch themselves. So going to have to just have a play with that, Brad, and see how it goes for you. Um, Rick, we'll just jump back onto that trialling there, mate. Um, yeah, mate, um, you, um, you've, obviously you've had a crack at di different formats, mate. What, why do you trial? Oh, it was, it was to better my... Um, my control and I found it exciting. I found it exciting. It was exciting. It it was something you could do on a weekend. The same dogs that I was using um, in a work situation, I could go away and um, compete with them. It was a good sport, and and, and I only trialled because I wanted to learn. There was um, skills required that I didn't have, and it was mostly to to better my handling ability, and and I did enjoy it, and I did enjoy it, did enjoy it. Definitely. Um, what uh, you oh, actually, I was going to ask you. You said that one of your first points was to better your skill. Do you do you believe that trialing helped you hone in on your dog handling skills? Yes. Yeah, it does, and you it does, and you're in, and you're in, you know, you're involved with a lot of people that um, you learn a lot from, that are handling them better, and you watch, you're watching what's going on, and uh, yeah, certainly, I, I learned a lot, a lot.
and you'd ask a question here and here and there when like the guy with the barking dog um free barking dog you know i was told once when my dog's putting reverses on them and i'm barking at you and uh, and um and um is it a is it a command or is it a reprimand what are you doing you're stirring them up you know and and there's there's a lot to be learnt from somebody that, that knows more than you, you know, and always pick up something, something from Absolutely. in the trolley. It's actually funny you mentioned that because I've actually got one dog here that recently when I've started to reverse it, it starts to bark at me. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not asking to do that. Um, and I just start shutting it down. I just start shutting it down when it does, shutting it down when it does that. How would yeah. you go about that? Well, you, again, we're getting back to that excitement and it's, um, you know, I, I teach with with frustration, frustrate the dog to teach him to bark at the tail, teach him to bark at the tail, bark at the tail and, and you've got him on a lead where he can't go anywhere. You might be tapping him between the legs to reverse off and yeah. and it's frustration that, that, um, that stirs them up more so when you're when you're you're teaching you're teaching the bark but to teach them the reverse you just got to be a bit careful how you go about it because they if you're you're in their face they do they do tend to bark and um you just gotta you just gotta go a bit steady with it mm-hmm. and there's your opportunity to tell him to shut up yeah. Um, before he before he starts barking too much, but uh, I've I've run into it. And you've just got to change your method a li- little, tweak it up a bit. Well, get out of their face a bit. Yes, just, just back off them a bit. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Thank you. <laughs> and you mentioned before um, you tried. You trialed your work. You trialed your work dogs. We hear a lot of debates that trial dogs don't make work dogs, and vice versa. What are your thoughts on that? Bit to the, bit like that opinion story again, and, and everyone <laughs> yeah. having one. Um, 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 yeah, I used to hear those stories, and and um, you know, I I've already told you I won't keep repeating what I do with my yep. dogs and those same goat dogs i had a i had a, a, a bit of fun trolling too and yep. and it's all controlled controlled aggression bite at the nose and bark at the bum and don't bite unless you're told and my dogs worked and played and you can, and you can have it and you can have it you can have both yeah, absolutely. Uh, mate, in tri- trialling today, um, mate, is there anything you would change in the way the trials are run today or do you think they they run, pre- they, they run pretty well? They run pretty well and simulate good um, working environment? Uh, I, we, we've all got a gain. We've got an opinion it's only the politics that are involved with it the trials are good the trials are good trials are good um there's things i don't agree with um but i love it 
I, I don't do it anymore. I love the whole concept, and and um, and again, it's only it's only my it's only my opinion, and it's not worth voicing. But um, it, it's a great sport, and uh, just got to be careful with with the green side of the job, and um, everyone's trying. Nah, fine. Nah, fine. Nah, fine. I think it's it's strong, and um, yeah, I, I had a lot of good times, and, and do love it. Beautiful. And what what made those trials um, good and enjoyable for you? Good and enjoyable for you. Enjoyable for you. A couple of good dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the people, you know. Yep. Do you have a favourite trial to that you used to that you used to participate in? Used to participate in? Oh, not really, not really. I um, I I disciplines. Yes, I I do like the outside work, and I yet I done more more yard more yard trialing more yard trialing, but no particular venue. I liked them all. Yeah, beautiful. Um. What about your best uh, trialling achievement or a special moment to you within that scene? Oh, I don't know, know that I know that I had any in particular. I I always stayed at breeding and training a dog, and then then winning a state title or getting in an Australian final. Or um, I used to like it at times getting the father and son, father and son, and, and son and making an Australian final with a couple of them and dad and the boy and that sort of stuff. Uh, but no, yeah, nothing that I can, nothing that spins, that comes to me mind real quick, you know. <laughs> mate, and, and getting around in your time to trials, mate, was there something you've seen in your travels um, where you thought people, where handlers struggled with, um, you know, or you thought they could improve, like stock handling or, more training on their dogs. Oh well, oh well. Biting's always been the letdown with a lot of and yeah. Look again. Here we go back to taking an untrained dog to a yep. to a work situation and situation and and there's a lot of people don't have the opportunity to train a dog at home and. They go away to a trial on a weekend and give a dog a look at sheep. Well, that can be ugly, but you know what do they do? What do they do? Do yeah, absolutely. Um, are we going to see you back out in the trial scene anytime soon? I um I used to do a lot of shooting. Claybird shooting before I got into before I got into the dog or I got into the dogs, and um, and I'm back into that. That's tying me up, and um, we've got nobody judging. It's black and white. I hit it or I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you might get a chip off it, mate. For mate. <laughs> but, I've seen that uh, plenty of times. I've seen a chip. Yeah, I do. Um, I, I do get the bug every now and again. I, I've got a couple that are going all right now and think, oh, I'd like to turn up to a utility trial here and there. And You never know. It, never know. It, 
yep. Monday. Yep. Monday, maybe. <laughs> nah, mate, it'd be great to see you around. And mate, just off the tri- the trialing, but just in the livestock industry in general, mate, um, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to pursue a career um, in the livestock industry? Industry. Go to those guys that are prepared to um, to take your money and uh, and give you some advice. The the stock handling schools, the dog training schools, schools, and uh, yeah, I like I say, I used to be shearer, and um, we never had the shearing schools when I started, and. Um, now you can do stock handling schools. You can do dog training schools, schools, what, what shearing schools, whatever you uh, want to pursue in any field, and and that's my advice. Mm-hmm. Go and go and do a few. Beautiful. Great and, advice, mate. Advice, mate. And is there any, and is there anyone you'd like to see us uh, sit down on dog talk with for a chat? That I'd like to see. Yeah. Well, this is the first time I've seen it, so. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate you, uh, your time and effort. And if, who do you think? If, who do you think we could? Who do you think we could sit down and have a chat with and take a bit away? Um, that you even you might even like to hear from yourself. Oh, look. Um, oh, well, have you had? Have you spoken with Pip Hudson? And with Pip Hudson? Hudson? No, we haven't. Um, purely on um, technology. technology. Yeah. So that, yeah, Pip is definitely on our radar to sit down and have a chat with. I'm sure it'd be very entertaining to have a chat with Pip. Yeah, that that yeah, that that the that the entertainment will be as entertainment will be as great as anything else. But I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know how, how he's travelling. But I did do one school with him years ago, and. Um, yeah, I think you'd find it interesting. Definitely. But we'll have to. Definitely. But we'll have to. I'm um, trying. But we'll have to. I'm um, trying to make some time to get out there and actually probably do something um, with him in person. I'd say. He's your boy, Collie man, too. He is. He is, mate. But we won't hold that against him. <laughs> <laughs> mate, was there a question um, that stood out for you tonight? Stood out for you tonight, and uh, you tonight, and uh, they will win a bag of uh, enduro energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo mate. Yeah, um, I would say Kylie Reese. Kylie, yep. there you go. Kylie, yep. there you go. Perfect. There you go. Perfect. Kylie, if you'd like to send us your details, um, just send us a private message. If you, um, obviously, we've got your name, but uh, your number, your email address, and your postal address, uh, bag of enduro coming your way. Uh, and for taking the time. To, Taking the time up, for, taking the time up for us tonight, Rick. Uh, there's a bag of enduro coming your way as well. Uh, no worries, thank you. One last question before you go. Um, seeing as you haven't heard it before, it could spin you out a little bit. Uh, have you? Would you rather fight, rather fight one, fight one duck the size of a horse, or twenty horses the size of ducks? One duck. One duck. Why, why? one duck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't answer it either way. <laughs> well, you're a gay man, mate, taking on the, the one big duck. So uh, I reckon you don't mind a challenge. 
Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. I've enjoyed the time, fellas. No, thank you for jumping on. Much appreciated. But, appreciated. But thank, but thank you very much for your time, mate. Um, and thanks to all our um, listeners tonight. And please remember, we learn every day, and this day we stop learning will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, mate.